Greetings, dear listener. You're listening to the Jaunty Mantis podcast. This is Jesse. This is Maddie. And we are presenting to you today a special bonus episode. True story. Yeah, why do we do these? Well, the Jaunty Mantis is released in seasons, 12 episodes per. And uh, the reason for that is so we have time to take a breather, get uh, extra recordings done, make sure we don't fall behind. So if you're listening to this, that means that we're in between seasons. We made it. (laughs) So we'll be back soon. And until then, enjoy this episode, this bonus episode. It's not necessarily about role-playing game topics, but it is very nerd adjacent. And we hope you enjoy it. Yep. Right, welcome back to the Jaunty Mantis. This is a podcast full of creative questions for curious gamers. I'm Maddie, and with me is Jesse. Say hello, Jesse. Howdy. All right, and we have a topic for today, Jesse. What it is? What do you think about etiquette as a skill in a role-playing game? I think it's kind of pointless. Yeah. What is etiquette? Maybe that's the question. See, this is why I brought this question up because I don't really know. Right. So like uh, what's off the top of my head, a system that has it shadow run has mm-hmm. etiquette, like etiquette street and what? etiquette. Yeah. Well, I don't remember this and I've played shadow run before. Chip truth. Ome. like, <laughs> wow. All right. You, okay. Chummer. How do I use etiquette in shadow run? Yes. That's the, I don't know when you call for a role for that. Like, mm-hmm. Is it a knowledge skill? Is it an applied skill? Mm. Like, it just seems weird. And it's one of those things like, I put this on my character sheet to indicate that I'm comfortable talking to this group of people. Yeah. I feel like every role-playing game should have a set of secondary skills or useless skills. Shadowrun does do this, where you can like put some things down on your character sheet that really have no impact on the game necessarily but they can be used like you can say well my character is an expert in you know uh dwarven death metal for instance or whatever the case may be and i feel like a lot of role-playing games would benefit from something like street etiquette like how do you use that in the game we don't know but it's on your character sheet and if it ever comes up feel free to use it I forget what those were called, like hobby skills or something, but they were a really great way to define your character yeah. by their interests. I had a technomancer detective who had a hobby skill in like film noir movies. <laughs> like a technomancer it, detective. That's awesome. Yeah, he he really wanted to be a film noir detective. And that's perfect. And and he wasn't because he lived in a dystopian cyberpunk flavored future. <laughs> so that's brilliant. Well, how would so how do you use street etiquette? So the characters are on the street doing street stuff. What's street stuff? Like interacting with gangs and whatnot? Yeah, I mean reading the gang colors like mm-hmm. on the street would probably be like a street etiquette test or like just like i want to look for any gang sign and you know i know there's gang signs here but who owns this turf mm-hmm. that's a street etiquette um or is that knowledge 
<laughs> I mean, is knowledge arcana in Dungeons and Dragons? Is that arcana etiquette? See, I think this would be for dealing with nobility. It would be like knowledge history mm-hmm. or some games even have. I think this is maybe a 3.5 thing like knowledge, like heraldry mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, I think this speaks to a larger problem, which is like skills are problematic in role-playing games. And I think that's why a lot of them have either gone super deep into them or pulled way back from them. Like, would you agree with that? Yeah. And I think if you had to ask me, and I hope this is not an off the wall thing, I think heavy skill systems are, are what I think of as being nineties games. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Like Explain. it, uh, in the nineties, when suddenly they started to actually be like viable competition for some mm-hmm. of D and D's piece of the pie, um, with like vampire, the masquerade, uh, and Shadowrun gaining and popularity and all these other things. Those were all, they had skill systems, which advanced dungeons and dragons second edition, which was the war horse thundering along through most of it had a proficiency system mm-hmm. but it wasn't the same as like a full-on skill system most of the proficiencies would rarely ever be of utility in a game mm-hmm. like I, I remember making second edition characters and be like i guess i'll take boyer fletcher mm-hmm. uh, so i can make my own arrows but whatever um yeah admittedly this is a 13 year old power gamer who was doing that. So I, I don't know, but well, um, we were also kind of doing it um, in the early two thousands with third edition. Like I remember rolling a rogue and then taking the skills I really wanted and then spending the skill points and stuff. I didn't give a shit about after that. And it's like the rogue as a character is the skill character. They can do all the skills, you know, and it, it's like this all or nothing grab bag, you know, like there's only a few things that the fighter can do or should be doing. They're wearing armor, so they're going to be impacted when it comes to sneaking and balance and even climbing and especially swimming if they're wearing, you know, heavy armor. So, you know, it like skills are just problematic in role-playing games. It's like if you look at D20 modern, skills make sense to a certain degree. Like if like having advanced knowledge in certain topics to reflect education or life knowledge makes sense because they live in a modern world that requires those things. But does the gameplay require it? That's the question. So when you have something like street etiquette, it's it it kind of doesn't have a place to really land. Like I think the the better route to go would be, you know, in three point X they had profession was a skill you could take and like blacksmithing was a profession and you're like, well, what does this skill get me? And they're like, you could basically just earn a living as a blacksmith. Like that's what it does. Like, is your character ever going to use this? I don't know, but it's a, it was like an umbrella, uh, skill instead of saying like, well, you, you know, you specialize in weapon smithing or armor crafting or, you know, whatever, you know, uh, tool making or all, all these other different disciplines that blacksmithing um, has an analog to in our real world. You know what I mean? Well, 5e does that too. How does 5e do it? Uh, with your background, when you gain proficiency with a tool set, mm-hmm. Burdine can make leather armor. 
He's a leather worker. He has proficiency with leather workers tools. I never do. That's mm -hmm. a part of my character. I'm utterly uninterested in playing, but it's a thing on my character sheet. And it makes me wonder why, why do we need to have Burdine have leather working skills? Like at least in third edition Dungeons and Dragons, you could craft gear. I mean, I don't know if that was any fun or if there was anything to it, but you could craft gear in it if you want. You could make magical items and armor and weapons as a certain kind of character. I don't know what adventure that ever fit into, but you could do it. And so does Burdine, is that ever going to come up? Is he ever going to need to make leather armor? What's the point? No. And I mean, mechanically, I mean, this is maybe a lack of imagination on my part, but like mechanically, since there's no masterwork, Mm -hmm. which was the reason why I thought it was viable to craft weapons in 3.5 because you get that plus one bonus to hit and damage, even if it's not magical, just from it being fine, mm -hmm. um, finely made. Yeah, um, no, I'm never going to. I can't see a situation where I do that. I might, after last night's session, like craft Talia a sword belt of her mm -hmm. own, you know, and decorate it as a little character moment. But mm -hmm. And I feel like that's fall again, falling under that dwarven death metal category, you know, where it's like, it's, it's, it's a purely like, I don't know, we call them, we could call, call them story skills or something like that. Like the idea of Burdine, like on his ship with his adventuring companions. And then in their downtime, he's like working on this sword belt for this kid that he's inspired. Um, because that's what happened in the adventure. Jesse's character had this very uh, inspiring moment with an NPC kid where he was like, look, I can't take you with me. It's dangerous, but um, you should do the following things in order to become a great swords uh, swordsman like me. And the character, you know, he gave the character a sword. So, I mean, it makes sense that like over the course of your adventures, until you see this kid again, you're like making them a sword belt, you know, like that, 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 but sh that should have something else that should resonate in a different way in the game. You know what I mean? Like it should get you inspiration or something like that, that you did that you used a story skill. Well, before the audience gets too sweet on me, I should also point out that I armed a 12 year old who our party had orphaned with a blade and told her how to practice so mm -hmm. when she grows up and comes seeking revenge on the people that killed her family, um, it's a me. <laughs> so, you know, I don't think it's going to go down that way, but you know, I, I think, I think that this, this, this NPC has great story potential for Burdine, but the point remains, you know, what, what things are absolutely necessary for characters to be skilled in a, a street etiquette is, something you could see a character having, but you could also, it's nebulous. It's like gather information. What does that mean? You know, like that's something a bard could do in third edition Dungeons and Dragons. They could gather information, you know, or you bardic knowledge or something like that. And they were like, well, look, bards travel all over the place. They gather weird knowledge. You can make a special role to see if you've ever heard of something like that. It's like, okay, that that's, that's fine, I guess. But what, what, you know, how useful could that possibly be? I do need to do a, a just a context accurate addendum that mm -hmm. I throw in before we continue on this topic. I am aware that there were games in the 80s that had skills such as Rollmaster 
um, Warhammer Fantasy roleplay, Call of Cthulhu, like percentile dice based systems. I'm aware that it existed before the 90s, but in the 90s, every new game had them. And at the end of the 90s, when D&D 3.0 came out, it had a skill system all of a sudden now, too. Mm-hmm. So that that is why I explain it. Yeah, um, we've talked on the show before about the skills being a list from your character of what they want to do in the game. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in those 90s influence games where there's so many skills, it's like a optimization mini game. And I just don't know, mm-hmm. like, who's the target audience for that? Is it, are there enough people that find that fun for that to be a core part? I don't know that I think, I mean, maybe the audience, if they ever want to participate and write into this show, maybe and keep it brief, maybe they could tell us, uh, but I, I, I really feel like you could just solve this problem by saying to your players, like, here's a part of character creation. Give me three things that you're good at or you know something about. What are three things you know? What are three things you know how to do? Like, just, just you know, well, I can play the guitar. Perfect. You can play the guitar. Well, I can run real fast. Perfect. You can run real fast. Well, I'm a black. I was a blacksmith before I became an adventurer. Great. You're a blacksmith. You know, like what are the actual skills like arcana should be a skill that makes sense right um knowledge religion you know that makes sense that you would have a vast repertoire of religious knowledge but then that kind of opens up a bigger question in the gaming sphere of like uh knowledge based skill checks right like i've always subscribed to the idea that not always but the more modern version of me running games has subscribed to the idea that why would you restrict information from the group if there's a knowledge check that needs to be made like what happens if they don't make it it's like you just made everybody's job more difficult you know like you in third edition you could make a knowledge religion check to identify something at the temple and it's like so i put this in the adventure and the party never got it because nobody ever made that check so like what a fucking waste of time for me and the player characters Instead, why not do it where it's like, this is a piece of information, roll that, and you just give it to them. And then you say, roll knowledge religion, right? And then they roll it and you're like, here's some additional information or something like that. Or here's, you know, what what's the dungeon world um, or apocalypse, powered by the apocalypse system where they're like, um, wow, does this work again? Um, I'll give you information. It's up to you to make it useful or something like that. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, is that discern realities? Yeah, something like that. I'm trying to remember. Which it's is like, like the know things from Dungeon World. That's that's your knowledge skill check. Mm-hmm. That gives you the idea. I don't know. Um, one thing I thought was really, this. I guess this is tangential, is that an Exalted, your kind of lore skill lets you like insert a fact about mm-hmm. the thing when you make the the skill check, like you roll your dice, um, wits plus lore, and then you can just say like, oh no, it's like this. And mm-hmm. that becomes true in the world, which I thought was really neat as an idea. Yeah. I mean, why not use those? I mean, I mean, maybe this opens up a larger conversation about skills because when you look at skills like diplomacy or persuasion or intimidation, um, you know, when you put those up against somebody who can make a good point, even if they don't have that ability, if they can 
like um like you make a role and you convince somebody to do something that they never would have let you do otherwise like how does that make sense yeah you you wouldn't they're just not going to call the guards on you when they tell you no because mm-hmm. they're like ah oh, no nah, you seem like a good guy i'm sorry i can't do that that's my job mm-hmm. yeah that makes more sense we everybody not everybody but a lot of people i think play a good diplomacy role like it's you know mind control and i don't think it's ever intended to be mind control it's being like i've won this guy over they like me now but like you know the list of people that if i'm paid to guard a door the list of people i would let through that door when i've been told to let no one through that door is like very small Mm -hmm. it's like you my children and my wife like (laughs) And I'm yeah. still going to look at y'all weird, like, really? Mm-hmm. Really? I got to get in there. I'm not going to steal anything, I, but I just really need to go in there. Yeah, I mean, isn't it better to do a diplomacy check as in, like, you've improved their attitude or or whatever the case may be, but they're not going to go against what they set out to do? You know, but then, like, because, in again, in 3.XD&D, you had, like, the um, people, it was called the Diplomancer. And it, it was a build that was using exactly what you were talking about, where it's like you could just make characters do whatever you wanted because you had, quote unquote, diplomacy, you know, and like you should come up with a good reason, like, you know, why you should be able to make somebody do something that they wouldn't normally do. There's a, a build in uh, Exalted for Lunar Exalted, the shapeshifters called like the, the pretty kitty build hmm. where uh it lets you you take some charm combination so you can use all your manipulation and charm charms um as a cat so you don't even have to talk to people but you can basically just by being a pretty kitty overwrite their what's mm-hmm. most important to them in their lives like mm-hmm. we'll just hang it out as a cat and that's actually very appropriate for exalted um yeah well i i i would love to see that in action I think I think for me, if I was making a role-playing game right now, whether it was Exalted or Dungeons Dungeons and Dragons or Shadowrun, that social skill would just be called manipulation. And succeeding on it would allow you to learn information that puts the person you're talking to at risk. That makes any sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I it, that kind of makes me think about there's this thing uh i've seen um matt mercer do where he's like you pick as the player whether you're rolling uh mm-hmm. deception or um what's the make friends one persuasion deception Pers- intimidation yeah, persuasion or deception you don't tell which you just say your die roll and he compares the number and then i'm like i don't actually see the utility of that mm-hmm. well, yeah i mean i think they're all three the same skill regardless right like what is deception like I'm, I'm, if I'm like hiding a weapon on, that's a deception, right? But that could also be sleight of hand, or that could just be a dex check. You know, it, yeah. it just seems unnecessary. Well, the best version of that is from Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and it's called Blather. Okay, Blather. Yeah, and it's just to use, just to like talk on and on endlessly as a distraction. Hmm yeah i've seen this the um red line redliner redline the um d20 horizon hack of 3.x 
that oh, is blast from the past <laughs> that is uh mad max themed they have something like that with one of the characters where you you just talk and talk and talk and you just wear him down with talking you know and the i think the example in the book they give is like you're talking this person's ear off and then your friends are robbing them blind behind you you know or behind them i should say but that is a very mad max skill i just i want to talk about that line for a second dear listeners Fantasy Flight published Horizons uh, in the early aughts, right? I think so. Would have been when it was. And it was these like 30 to 40 page mini campaign settings that use the 3.x rules for D&D. But there was Red Line, which was Mad Max. There was, what was the, what was the Tron one? There was one that was Tron. It was mm-hmm. Tron, the role-playing game. It was, yeah, I, I, I will tell you in just a second. Keep and going. then there was Mechamorphosis, where you played a giant robot that could turn into a vehicle. Wink, wink. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the then Tron one was, was called Virtual. Virtual, yes. And then there was Spell Slinger, which was a Wild West fantasy uh, game. Yeah. And uh, I picked them up at a Gen Con, and they were pretty, pretty weird. And I we did them. a Mechamorphosis game once. I think I, someone played a riding lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> I liked them. I, I thought they were you know, creative ways to kind of just adjust the system accordingly and make something, you know, happen. But, you know, I don't know if they had a skill like street etiquette. I think the grim one, there was one called grim, which was like, you know, you're playing kids and they go to a a fairy tale um, side universe, you know, like uh, a la, you know, lion, the witch and the wardrobe kind of thing or legend or whatever the case may be. And there was, you know, a catch-all skill that was basically like bluff, diplomacy, gather information. And I think it was just called chatter. Mm. So Into the Unknown, which I'm running right now, the the 5e hack that makes things more like basic expert, doesn't have a skill system. Mm-hmm. It just does everything off ability checks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what it does have, because it keeps proficiency bonus, is you have a couple broad areas like wood, wood lore, um or something that you have based on your background and you can apply your proficiency bonus to any check that falls under that area of proficiency from your background mm-hmm. so it's very free form ruling not rules and uh so far my players haven't really engaged with it i think i probably need to re-explain <laughs> again hey you remember where you have those fields of expertise? You probably want to force the dice into situations where you get to roll with this because mm. uh, you're good at it. So, yeah, I mean, I could picture. Do we need a skill in jumping for a fighter who has like 16 strength? Like, does he need a skill in jumping? You know, but a rogue, could I will definitely say, be skilled in lock picking. As recently as three weeks ago in our recording, maybe four weeks ago, we were talking about the marvel of why you do DC five skill checks Mm -hmm. because of Baldur's Gate. And I think they do need a skill in jumping because the consequence of doing it wrong (laughs) is hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, but you can use that with an ability check, though. I guess you're right. There's got to be a way to make skills like less meaningful, but still relevant. You know, I think that there should be a set like there was trained skills in 3.x and these were definitely skills you could only use if you put ranks in them. 
And then there was untrained skills, which were skills that anybody could use, you know, and I think that those got transformed into a just base ability checks using the proficiency bonus. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I like, I can't, I don't know my, my, um, breadth of games played or read is nowhere close to yours, but I'm having trouble thinking of a game that uses an in-depth skill system that actually matters. I mean, can you think of anyone? I know I'm kind of any of them. I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but I mean, I I can think of a lot of them where the skill system matters, but I can't think a lot of them where all the skills uh, are sort of like where it's not a character creation trap on some of them. Mm-hmm. Towards like system mastery, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe this speaks to a bigger problem, which is there's only certain kinds of classes you can make in a role-playing game. You know, like you got the fighter, you got the spellcaster, and then I guess you got a skill user, right? Well, in a, in a D and D system. So like all the storyteller games, like everybody gets the same number of dots to put into their skills. Mm -hmm. Like it's just what their focus is is going to be different between characters because there's, you know, well, I, I don't even know how many skills there are in 5e. I want to say like 18, something like that. Yeah, I think there's 18. And I, like in a werewolf game, there can be 30, you know, like. Wow. And yeah, not to say like Warhammer Fantasy, like I want to say there's probably like 50 skills, but they're so unique and weird and situationally. Really? Yeah. Like Blather. I mean, like. Mm -hmm. and that's because there's like 10 common lore spell like skills like you know Mm -hmm. and yet fighting is not a skill and spell casting is not a skill in most of these games yep I don't know if we can find a way for etiquette to be used I'm all ears it's one of those weird ones I, I would say just uh, it should be like whatever your etiquette rating and as a bonus to your social interactions with that group is probably way easier than making someone. Yeah, I've seen systems that just get rid of skills and then use like a base mechanic. And then I wonder if on top of that, you're like, well, I'm good at this thing. And then you write it down in the moment. And then from that point forward, that's what you're skilled in. I don't know. There has to be a way, because the problem is, is then characters can just be good at anything that they do. Right. And that seems unrealistic to me. You know, I know we're playing a fantasy game with swords and sorcery and dragons and vampires and shit, but you know, it just seems unrealistic that all characters can do all things, you know? Yep. Yep. All right. Did we beat this one to death yet? (laughs) I think we did. I think we did. All right, listeners, if you have any ideas or suggestions for skill-based systems, I mean, how do you handle it in your games? Do you have a a fighter who can make an arcana check and be a blacksmith and do lock picking? Or, you know, do you strictly hold them to the skills they use? Like in Baldur's Gate 3, my main character right now um, is a skill user. (laughs) (laughs) 
so maybe I have to maybe I have to shut up and 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 take my own medicine here. But like, it's useful in a video game. In in Baldur's Gate three, it's useful to have like Arcana and religion and stuff because you pick up extra information that is helping you in the game. So why doesn't that exactly translate into the play experience on the tabletop game? Oh well, yeah, I think it should and and. <laughs> See our episode, Can Baldur's Gate Improve D&D? Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, Jesse, if they want to uh, write in and keep it brief, where can they reach us at, our lovely listeners? You can reach us at jauntymantis at gmail.com. And we are also on threads at jauntymantis and uh, Instagram at jauntymantis. Yeah. Juantymantis on X. On X, yes. I don't know how to access that account anymore. So... Perfect. Use that account, people. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, until next time, for me, for Jesse, for all skill users, skill checks, difficulty classes, and weird things that you can know like Dwarven Death Metal, get out there and play some fucking games. Go pass your etiquette check so <laughs> the gang accepts you as one of their own. <laughs>